I was in South Africa in July, and I uh, preached this message, and uh, I've done it a few times, and I thought, you know, I don't think I've ever done it back home. And I said, uh, Lord, if uh, I get the chance, maybe next time. And uh, as soon as I got home, uh, Pastor Blaine wrote me and asked if I was open this weekend. So I said, well, I guess I, I have my marching orders. So we want to look at, uh, I love preaching out of the stories of the Old Testament. They're so rich and, and they have so many lessons for us. Because we really have more examples there of how the faith was lived out than we do in the New Testament. And I don't have time to expand on that, and uh, you may disagree. But I want to look today at one of my favorite stories because of the personal applications which I am going to share with you. It's a story of Hannah and Samuel in, found in the first two chapters of the book of First Samuel. So we've got a lot to read and a lot of ground to cover, so let's go ahead and get started. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuph, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. It's interesting. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrificed to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. And whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. And her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you so downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? And let it be noticed that Hannah gave no response to that question. (laughs) The title of my message today is Give It to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I ask you for two miracles that I always ask you for. One's the miracle of speech, that you would empower me to say the words that you would have me to say to these, your people, this day, this hour. God, I present all my faculties for that purpose, and I ask that you would help me to say even more than I planned or anticipated. Lord, the second miracle will be the miracle of hearing that somehow we will come from all of our different places. We will be able to cut through misunderstandings, vocabulary, distractions, fatigue, so that each one of us may hear something and go home and say, that was just for me. It'll require a miracle on both ends, but you're a miracle-working God. So together, speaker, listeners, we join together now that we may have an encounter with you through your word. And we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. And as we delve into God's Word, may the Lord be with you. Now, I always like to give you a point to remember. It's probably more for me than it is for you as, as, as I prepare and work my way through. But the point today is that God will often require you to give something back to Him before He has given it to you. Now, that sounds kind of like an oxymoron. You know, it's how, how can I give... God something that I don't even have. Well, let's see if we can develop that concept as we go along. Point number one, 
Some of the less pleasant circumstances in your life are the Lord's doing. Now, not all. Some of it's spiritual opposition. Some of it's the consequences of our own decisions. And sometimes it's just life. But the account we just read informs us that Hannah had a problem. And her problem created such a stigma around her being in her culture because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. This was not a medical condition. It was not a genetic problem. This was the Lord. And in case we miss the fact that the Lord had closed her womb, he tells us twice that he was the one who had done this. Perhaps you're facing a similar situation where things are not going as they should, as you anticipated. And and it really doesn't make any logical sense. You, You can't put your finger on something that you could have or should have done. There's no natural explanation. There are many examples I could draw on from my own life, but Probably the most uh, poignant for this discussion is my call to ministry. I knew I was called to preach, and it was confirmed many times, but as I have told you on other occasions, that I was an associate pastor in the great state of Alabama for 11 years, where I got the chance to preach to the entire congregation in those 11 years on two occasions. And the second occasion was the last Sunday I was there. So mathematically speaking, it is correct to say I averaged one message every 11 years. (laughs) Now that's a lot of preparation time. You can change the beginning of your message. You can change the end of your message. You can change the whole message because you got 11 years. Going back to the passage, it says also that the Lord had closed her womb, but Hannah had a rival. There was another woman on the scene, and she seemed to have no problems with bearing children. It says that she had sons and daughters, and she took every opportunity she could to get a dig in at Hannah. And I don't know how she did this. I don't know if it was subtle. I don't know if it was a direct frontal assault. Maybe, you know, if if they were churchgoers today, maybe Hannah would have gotten to church and she was in a pew and then Penina would get there and say to the children, oh, children, let's sit with Auntie Hannah today. She's all by herself. You know, she has no children and we have so many children. So it'd be good for us to share who we are with Auntie Hannah today. So why don't we sit with her? Hannah, would you mind moving down? Keep keep moving all the, you know, I need a lot of room. Just keep moving down because... We want to sit with you. You know, honey, your, your refrigerator's probably empty. And I've got lots of refrigerator art, you know, because my kids are always coming over from school and they have stuff. So we thought we'd give some to you because your refrigerator must be barren. It must not have anything on it. And really, quite frankly, <laughs> we've run out of room. I don't know how she did it. I know how my rivals did it. At least if they weren't my rivals, they were my contemporaries. They couldn't wait to get home and tell me where they had been and what they had done. Couldn't wait to tell me of their adventures in the Lord. And very often I was the one who packed their bags and helped them go. 
If jealousy was a person, he had a big stick and he would just beat me. And I would deal with it and I would repent of it and I would think I had it, I had it conquered. And it would, it would come up again the next time we had a meeting. And very often they would go around the circle and ask people for updates of what was going on in their ministry. And they would skip me because they knew there was nothing for me to report. They would come back home with glowing testimonies while I licked stamps, folded letters. What do you do at times like that? Well, for those of us who know the Lord, there's really only one option. You go to him. You talk to him. And that's what Hannah did. As we proceed in chapter 1, once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh and Hannah stood up, now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. He was watching. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his hand. Point number two, God may ask you to give something back to him before he gives it to you. Now, Hannah, as we read in these verses, was not just upset. She was devastated. She wept bitterly, very much because her rival would instigate that emotional pain, remind her of it in case she had forgotten it. Hannah poured her heart out to the Lord. And while doing so, she did something really fascinating, even counterintuitive and for some nonsensical. She decided to give her child back to the Lord before she ever had one, before she even knew if she was going to have one. Now, we've all experimented with this from time to time, usually around the thought of winning the lottery. (laughs) Oh, Lord, if I win... I will fund missions, or I will build ACAC's facility. If you just help me hit the $457 million Powerball. (laughs) We've all had our health checkups, and we said, Lord, if you get me through this checkup, I will stop doing what got me here. But then we get a good report. And we forget what we said. We've dabbled with this. But Hannah wasn't dabbling. Back to my story. I spent 11 years, 600 Sundays, watching the good, the bad, and the ugly in our pulpit. I felt like I was an Indy race car running errands throughout the rural roads of Alabama. And it just wasn't difficult. It was a death process. I would go home like Hannah and I would cry. I remember we had a powder blue bedspread. And I would kneel down next to the bed and I would bury my face in that bedspread. And I'd say, God, there's got to be more than this. You promised. I think you did. Maybe I didn't hear you. Maybe I'm so out of it that, that 
I misinterpreted. And when I would pick up my head, there would be two dark blue spots where my eyes had been. And the Lord would assure me, there is more, but not yet. I wasn't thinking about Hannah, but I did what she did. I gave my speaking, my teaching ministry to the Lord before I ever had it, before I was ever sure it would occur. And every time I reached a crisis of faith, I did the same thing. This raises an interesting question for you. What are you trusting the Lord for or trusting him to do in your life? Are you waiting and hoping for something today? You could benefit from this exercise. Maybe you don't know exactly what to do. Maybe you want to get married and it's not happening. Maybe you have a testimony and you don't know what to do with it. And you'd really prefer not giving it because it's too embarrassing. Maybe there's a ministry or a business idea or having a child or seeing a wayward child or spouse come home or back to the faith or a financial breakthrough or your own privacy or your retirement or your future in general. God has blocked your path. You don't understand it. But God wants something more from you, like he wanted something from Hannah and from me. Now, when Hannah released, when she gave her child to the Lord, it wasn't if I win the lottery kind of promise. No, she went so far as to say, Lord, if you give me a son, I promise I won't touch the hair on his head. Mothers, think of that. Did you ever send your kids to school without paying attention to their hair? Of course not. It's what mothers do. But she said, and, and the hair just symbolizing, whatever comes out of us of hair, we, we don't have much control over. The color, the texture, curly, straight, I mean, afterwards, we, we can mess with it usually all we want. Well, most of us can. But, but she said, whatever comes out of him, whoever he is, whatever you're doing in him, I'm not going to put my hands on it and try and shape it in the way that I think is best. My hands are off him. We can't read this as, as a formula. I don't know how many times Hannah prayed this prayer. My sense is this isn't the first time because this was happening year after year. I had a friend who was a, a, a student at Geneva College and, and uh, he has a significant drug ministry today, probably one of the best in, in the state. But I was interviewing him for a book and, and, and he said, you know, Dr. John, 28 times. He said, I counted 28 times I walked into a church. I told the Lord, I'm, I'm giving my drug problem to you. I asked God for help. He said, I felt like I left it on the altar. 28 times I walked out the church, got back on the street and got involved in drugs. He said, the 29th time I did exactly the same thing as I did the previous 28 times. 
I walked out of the church, and now he's been clean for about 20 years. God knows the heart. He knows what he's after. This can't be, this can't be like Abraham sacrificing Isaac. Ooh, if I give it to the Lord, then he'll give me what I want. No, it's total and complete release. I don't know when that happens. I don't know when it happened on my, in my life, but I think it did. Now, so Hannah, I mean, she did business with God. This is pretty cool. I mean, she, she left it all on the field. But how bad can it get when you commit something to the Lord before you have it? How deep can the test be? Well, let's take a look. And she kept on praying to the Lord. Eli, remember, he's sitting by the door. He's God's policeman. He's God's man. Eli observed her mouth. Now, Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And Eli thought she was drunk. And he said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I have a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli answered, well, I'm going peace and may the God of Israel grant you whatever you've asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Point number three, others will not always understand what you are going through or how their behavior or comments affect you. And what's worse, they may not care. You can't have children and you get invited to every baby shower in western Pennsylvania. You can't get to second base in your career and you get invited to all the promotion lunches and dinners for everybody else who's less qualified than you. And you can't figure out why that keeps happening. Hannah's praying but only moving her lips and not uttering any words. And the man who should have helped her, the man who should have had spiritual discernment to be able to look at her and understand she was in turmoil of soul. He totally misjudged her and then rebuked her. Now she has to defend herself, adding to her embarrassment and pain. I remember once during my 11 years, there were other times, but I remember once we had a, a particularly moving service, talked about missions, and I went into the prayer room and I just asked this pastor to pray for me because I felt like there was more that God wanted me to do. And I'll never forget him telling me to get over myself and get back to work. <laughs> in those 11 years, I never once had any leader ask me what was going on in my heart or what I felt God wanted me to do but you know that would have been nice but I knew what I needed to do I kept telling God I'll go wherever you want me to go I'll preach and teach whatever you want me to preach and teach I commit it all to you I trust you now the next couple of verses are so special but it's so easy to read over them 
quickly and miss the full implications. But verse 19, early the next morning, they arose and worshiped before the Lord, and they went back home, back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Point number four, God is just, kind, gracious, and he cannot be outgiven. Now, as I said, the Bible can describe something so wonderful that takes place over a long period of time and do it so simply and so beautifully that the account makes it seem like it happened overnight, which it did not. God is magnificent. He heard, he hears our cries even when we think he doesn't, and he is mindful of our ways. God heard Hannah. She got pregnant. She carried the baby full term, and she gave birth to a son. I don't know why this prayer at that particular time moved God, but it did. And I don't know why mine moved God, but eventually they did too. After 11 years of doing nothing, I moved to Orlando, Florida to pastor a church. And I was true to my word. I began also to minister in prisons and jails, the last place in the world I wanted to be. I went from speaking once, twice in 11 years to 15, 17 times a week. But I was so happy to be there. In one of my prison discipleship classes, I delivered a message on something called finding your life purpose. And it was so well received that I kept developing and tinkering with that message. I had given birth to something. I knew it was special, but I didn't know what it was. See, God hears your cry and will move on your behalf, but it's not for your benefit. It's not for your son or daughter to come home and serve you in your old age and keep you company. Your retirement is not for you to finally have a time when you can do everything you want to do. (laughs) No, it's for his purpose. To be achieved for his glory. Let's move on. So now she has her little boy. When her husband Elkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Do what seems best to you, her husband, Elkanah told her. Stay here until you have weaned him, only may the Lord make good his word. So the woman stayed at home and nursed her son until she had weaned him. And after she was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull and ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And when the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Point number five. God will collect in times of peace what you promised in times of trouble. 
Hannah had made a promise, and now it was time to pay up. Now, interesting, we do not see that the Lord pressured her, reminded her, or even directed her as to what she should do. She had resolved in her mind that this boy was the Lord's. She had made that promise in a time of trouble. Now the pressure was off, her prayer was answered, and it remained to be seen what she would do. Now, how completely had Hannah given her son to the Lord? She took her little boy, perhaps three or four years old. She packed his bags and took him to the house of the Lord. What's more, she turned him over to be cared for by the very man who had humiliated and judged her when she was crying out to God. I surrender all. Come on, Samuel, get get your stuff together, honey. We got to go. I surrender all. Where are we going, Mama? Oh, Mama made a promise to the Lord, and now she's going to make good on it, honey. Don't worry. All to thee, my Blessed Savior, I surrender all. Mama, when will I see you again? I'll be back in about a year, honey. You behave yourself. Mama loves you. Gives me goosebumps. I said I would go wherever God wanted me to go. And I have. I said I would teach whatever he taught me, and I have. I've taken the purpose message to 42 nations. I've written many books. I've counseled many people, much of it at my own expense. I lived in Africa for a total of four years without my wife and family. Most recently, I started Urban Press to provide publishing resources to help those who could not afford them do what I have done. I continue to work in Africa because I surrendered all during those 11 barren years. And I am not going to go back on my vow. My vow of surrendering it all to him. Now, someone who doesn't know the Lord, or maybe some who do, may look at Hannah's story, maybe even mine, and think, wow, God is hard. Think somehow God ripped Hannah off took 11 of my years. It's mean to put someone through what Hannah went through. Let's go on. See if Hannah agrees. Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Point number six, serving God is not a burden. Now, if others thought or think that God is a hard God, Hannah is not among them. She seems to be quite happy, worshiping and rejoicing that God would hear her cry and allow her to give birth and give what she had birthed back to him. Another old song we used to say. I don't hear it too much anymore. I I delight to do your will. 
The second verse, the second stanza says, And to walk with thee is not grievous unto me. I delight to do your will. We don't have to serve the Lord. We get to serve the Lord. I urge you to choose to serve the Lord. I want to do this. I was in South Africa. It was 30 degrees one morning, 23 degree wind chill. People don't think it gets that cold. And I had to preach in a metal building with no heat. All I saw were little dark faces clearing out from, from underneath comforters and winter coats. Not once did I complain. It could have been colder. It's a privilege to serve the Lord. I said I would go. And I'm not going to take that back. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. See, God is trying to prevent the thing he gives us from destroying us. He has to create some distance between us and who he wants us to be and what he wants us to do. Because have we seen anything in the modern church? Is people infatuated with their own ministry. I love to preach, but I don't have to preach. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, even having said that, some may still say, we're not convinced of God's goodness in this situation. So let's read one last passage. It says... Chapter 2, verse 18. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boar wearing a linen ephod. Each year his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli, now he changed his tune. Now Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. You know God heard that rascal? Because then they would go home and the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. And meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Point number seven, God never wastes your suffering. He takes your tears and he puts them in a bottle and he puts a date and he puts a time and he remembers Hannah went on to have multiple births, three sons and two daughters. We have no idea the names of the children of her rival. They are in historic oblivion. But Samuel, Hannah's boy, still speaks to the people of God because he had a mother who knew how to do business with God and trusted God enough to release to him her son before he was ever born. And God was mindful of her sacrifice and replenished what she had given because, as I said earlier, God cannot be outgiven. Now today I look back and I don't have any regrets. You know, I go looking for my contemporaries. I've looked for them on social media. I can't find them. I look for them on Amazon. I can't find them. But God has been faithful to me and to his promises over my life. I can testify to anyone who is trusting God that he is watching and listening and he has something special in mind or else you would not be going through what you are going through. Now, I cannot predict what it is. I cannot predict when this will end. 
And what eventually transpires may not be what you are thinking or imagining today. But if you leave it in his hands, he will do what he said he would do. Maybe even more. But the point to remember is that God will often require you to give back to him something he has not yet given to you. Let's bow our heads. If you're here today, I'm not going to belabor this. And you're thinking of something. You've, you've done this already, maybe. You're thinking of something you need to release to the Lord. You're either holding on to it, you're confused about it, you're not clear of the direction. The only way forward is to give it to Him. How many of you? Just raise your hand where you are. Yes, all the services, many of us. So I'm going to ask you to do something. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Maybe a little silly, just bear with me. Uh, as our graphic showed, two hands being held out. Like you're, I want you to hold your hands out, just like you're holding water. Cup your hands right in front of you. And I want you to see whatever it is you need to release to the Lord in your hands. That son or daughter that hasn't, has, hasn't spoken to you in eight years, whatever. Your, your career, your future, married, children, whatever the case, just see it right there. We're going we're gonna to symbolically give it to the Lord. And uh, we're just going to throw it up in his direction, okay? On the count of three, I just want you to throw it up before the Lord. One, two, three. Just throw it up. Now hold your hands up. Lord, we surrender. Not, not as some enemy would surrender to a, a foreign army, but it's a, sur- it's a surrender of trust. We entrust to you what we just gave you. You know what it should look like. And Lord, we don't even want to touch the, uh, put a razor to its head. We don't want to trim it or make it look good according to what we think. We want it to be as you want it to be. And Lord, we're going to leave it in your hands. Now and as many times as we have to do this. Because we trust you. And because you can never be outgiven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.